Welcome to another episode of Complete Developer Podcast, the podcast by coders for coders about all aspects of creating your best life as a developer. I'm Will, the accomplished developer, author, and software architect. And I'm Beach, the journeyman developer sharing my journey in development. Complete Developer Podcast is supported by listeners like you. We are now on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Complete Developer Podcast. When we're learning something new, we will all eventually hit a roadblock. Roadblocks are tough to deal with because they sap your enthusiasm. Left alone long enough, they'll make you give up on your goals. In this episode, we're going to discuss how to overcome learning plateaus when you're trying to build new skill sets, learn new subjects, or simply get better in an area of your life. While immediately useful in tech, the principles we're discussing here don't just apply to tech. But before we get started, Will, what's been blocking your road? Man, I've got some kind of dependency injection problem in the WPF app that is driving me up the wall. I have a DB context factory class that is delivered by the service locator or whatever you want to. It's yeah, it's a service locator. And it will generate a DB context, right? And if I pull back the factory class and say, give me the DB context, it has the connection strings. It has all the stuff. It works perfectly. I wired it up. When I asked for an instance of the DB context, the Lambda there goes, hey, give me an instance of the factory and hand me back the DB context that it generates. And you would think those two statements would be equivalent. However, what it does is it hands me one that does not know what it's doing at all. Like it's not configured and it is driving me insane. Like it's something extremely dumb, but I've spent like three hours trying to troubleshoot it. Oh dude, that's rough. (laughs) Yeah. And I'm thinking about just like getting a hold of one of my, get my junior dev from work and be like, can you just get on a call with me after hours for like 10 minutes and tell me where I'm being an idiot? Because I know it's there and I know that you'll find that entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm like that's where I am with it. So yeah, it's it's uh it's very frustrating. I don't know if I'm gonna do that or not. May may get my PO actually, because <laughs> he would enjoy doing that too, and it'd be it'd be quick. So yeah. How about you? Uh well, we started a new project at work today. Well, I say it's new. My team is restarting a project that was put on hold a couple of years ago. So there's already been some work done on it. We had our kickoff meeting today, basically, and learned as much as the PO could tell us or within the time frame, kind of all about the business stuff. And then we're reviewing the code now. So over the next couple of days, we're going to review the existing code to determine if we want to refactor it or rewrite it. I know what the architect wants, and uh, we're meeting with him after we've had a chance to look over the code. So that's going to be fun. And so in other Interesting news that's actually going to uh, lead me, I guess, closer to one of my goals is uh, I spoke to the organizer of Burrow.dev about uh, speaking at one of their meetups later this year. So I'm working on a talk on leadership based on my first year as a lead developer and on that book that I I told you about, How to Lead When You're Not in Charge. It's going to be a good talk and... Getting to try it out at a meetup group is going to be great. I've already submitted it to KCDC, so I'm hoping that they they pick it up. That would be a lot of fun to go out to Kansas City. I've not been. I do need to find out when other 
because it's been a little bit since I've submitted and a lot of uh, conferences are now in person again. So I need to find out when the CFPs are so I can make sure and submit to those. So that and one other thing, goal related, I completed 5K on the treadmill at the gym, but uh, I did it in 42 minutes. That's slow. Now I walked a bit of it, but I completed it. I ran most of it. Well, it's interesting because we were listening to the goal episode when we were going to one of the Christmas things that we went to. I forget which one. And my wife heard that goal from you and she's like, wait, he's already done all this other stuff. He's going to nuke that. Like by the end of January, like <laughs> that's, he needs to go for a 10K if he wants a real goal. I'm like, okay, I'll tell him that. But uh, he probably knows. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the, she's right. That was a little bit of a give me goal. The real goal in that one was to get down to doing it in under 30 minutes. Yeah. That'll be a bit harder. Yeah. Yeah, that will. I did run half a mile at the 10-minute mile speed today. So that was good. Eventually, I'll get up to that. And then I've got to bump it up just a little bit more because it's not quite three miles. It's 3.1 miles. So yeah. But yeah. It's it's good and I'm I'm making progress on it. I just wanted to share that with you guys. Nice. Saving money is hard, especially when you hit a financial plateau. Lucas Casares is a fee-only certified financial planner. He owns and runs Level Up Financial Planning virtually out of Fort Collins, Colorado. And just like us at Complete Developer Podcast, he focuses on helping you to not only establish a real plan for your life, but to actually take action so that you can hit your goals. Investing in financial planning services, guys, it really comes down to whether or not you can improve your finances. And with the help of Level Up, the compounding interest of making better financial decisions will easily pay for itself. Level Up also has a unique pricing model that will help you no matter where you are in your financial journey. So you're not going to be at a point where you can't pay for the help to get where you can pay for the help. And best of all, Lucas is a fiduciary for his clients. And what that means is he's not here to sell you a product, but to help guide you to a better financial situation. And you can catch his podcast, Techie Personal Finance Bootcamp, where he covers financial topics that you probably face. And there he also interviews other IT professionals who share how they navigated their own careers. Uh, That's very helpful. You can also learn even more stuff at levelupfinancialplanning.com. One thing that shocks new developers and people around them is just how much time is required for learning, relearning, building new skills, and internalizing new concepts when building software. It's nearly impossible to stay caught up on technology as a developer using only your work hours. And even people that spend a lot of time learning new things outside of work find themselves struggling to keep up a lot of time. In short, when you signed up to be a software developer, you basically signed up to be a lifelong learner. It's one of the things that really attracted me to software development was I love being a lifelong learner. Your ability to continually refine the way that you learn new material either help you achieve your career goals or it will deny them to you entirely. Worse still, the way that most of us were taught in school is nothing like the way that we have to learn on the fly in the real world. When you were in school, you had someone around who could help you get unstuck from learning plateaus when you encountered one. In post-school life, these types of people are 
much more rare. Their time is more expensive, and the knowledge they teach is more specific, possibly even too specific to be helpful. Nevertheless, software developers are often expected to pick up new technology in a relatively short period of time. Making it worse, there are often several things that you need to be learning quickly, concurrently. Meaning that if you spend an excessive amount of time learning one thing, it can often mean lost opportunities with the other stuff you're supposed to be learning. It's also monstrously frustrating because you probably are around people who learn some things more quickly than you do. If they learn more slowly, they're probably trying to hide that fact. When you reach a point where you're putting in more effort but achieving less growth, you need some effective strategies to help you start improving again. The better your strategy is, the better your career will be over the long term. So what is a learning plateau and why does it happen? A learning plateau is a term used in educational psychology. It denotes a time during the course of learning where the learner, despite putting in the work, seems to make no significant progress. The big word there is seems. There are a variety of causes of learning plateaus, from changes in motivation, to lack of time and money, to simply hitting a psychological limit. And if you're regularly in the habit of learning new things, learning plateaus are certain to happen even if you really enjoy what you're learning. While addressing the causes of learning plateaus is useful, it's also important to note that they are simply a natural feature of the learning process. If you hit a plateau, it's because you climbed up to it. Yeah, and I think that's the the important point is, is understanding that it's not something that you're at fault for or something that if you'd done things a different way, you could have avoided it. It's like, no, you're going to hit something at some point that's going to stop your learning and you're going to have to overcome it because that's part of the learning process itself. And that prepares you for the bigger goals. So in this episode, we're going to discuss how to get out of learning plateaus quickly so that learning is easier, less frustrating, and faster. And faster is probably the thing as a software developer that you are most interested in because your time is is very limited and... It's not just JavaScript, but everything is moving. Like if you're using cloud technology or something, you're going to be fighting this all the time. In the aftercast, we're going to take a slightly different tack and discuss why mid-level developers are really, really vulnerable to getting stuck and how to help them quickly get unstuck. So if you're a senior dev, this is how you help them. Or if you're management, here's how you help them. Or a lead dev. Or a lead dev, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. If you're above mid-level. Yeah, basically. Somewhere. I mean, I don't know. I guess if you're a junior dev, it could help you for when you get to that level too. Yeah. All right, guys. So first off, we're going to talk about find your weak spots and address them. Growth in any skill is typically uneven. Not only do you learn some things faster, but some things are also far less enjoyable, more difficult to practice, more complex, or easy to forget. Will has an example of weightlifting in here. I'll let him get into that in just a moment. But I think about with learning guitar. I don't have the raw talent that a lot of my friends do. But there are certain aspects of playing guitar that I just absolutely love. I really enjoy kind of playing some some licks, playing some lead stuff. But rhythm really is really difficult for me. Like making the chord structures with my hands, especially bar chords, as I've, I've said before. But Not just that, but staying in rhythm. I tend to speed up too much. 
I guess it's just my hyper nature, which is funny because our worship director at church was working with me and told me, she's like, yeah, most people, if they have trouble staying in time, they slow down. It's actually nice that you speed up because <laughs> we can handle that better than we can slowing down. It's like it's it's actually easier to slow yourself down than to speed yourself back up. And being new to it, I don't know one way or the other, but that's what she she was telling me. But uh yeah, so that is one thing I've noticed when I try to play with the metronome too. Like that is one of my areas that it is really difficult. And I feel like I've hit a plateau on it and not right now, but I, I have in the past felt like I've hit a plateau and it's just like, I have literally asked my instructors, what do I do? What techniques, what practices can I do that will get me past this? Yeah. And a lot of times the, uh, the skills are tied together as well. So if you're not training that skill that you don't like as much, there comes a point where the skill that you do like gets limited mm-hmm. by that. And so that's the reason I use the example of weightlifting. If you you know, let's say that you can lift 350 pounds, you know, your, your arms are strong enough to do that, but your legs and back can only lift 150 pounds. You're not going to lift 350 because some other component of the system is going to fail first, probably in a pretty nasty way. And so, you know, just because you don't like leg day or whatever, like you're eventually going to limit your own strength. And it's the same thing with any educational skill or any attainment that you get, right? Like if you Let's say you're really, really good at writing code in Node, right? But you don't understand, I don't know, you don't understand the component model and you don't want to fiddle with it. Like that's going to probably burn you very quickly, especially this past week because they had another supply chain attack where it's been like an infinite loop in a color library or something where some guy got mad. This is a real issue. It's also very common that when you are training the areas that you're weak in, that you find it really discouraging compared to the areas that you're strong. You know, that's just the way we are. We specialize. That's why human beings have a civilization. And part of that is going towards the areas where you're strong and being happier there. However, if you neglect an area like that long enough, it is going to stop you from growing. Yeah, that's very true. And that's in all aspects of life. It's fractally true. Yeah, it it really is. You know, like, I can tell you this from experience with my guitar before I was, I got really serious about getting on the worship team. I was just kind of playing whatever I wanted at my lessons. And so I did a lot of, a lot of lead stuff, a lot of licks, and I didn't practice the rhythm very much. And you get to a point where, all right, you've learned these like little licks and stuff, but now you got to play them in time. And that's where the rhythm comes in and like not working that that up, I couldn't play them in time. So I put my effort into learning the rhythms and uh, getting better at it. It, it takes time. But, uh, now, if you don't know what your weak spots are, that in itself is a weak spot. That's a big thing. I was actually talking to someone this weekend about you and I both have really kind of hounded on this throughout the podcast. Like it's it's a almost a theme throughout the last six and a half years of podcasting is understanding yourself and finding out where you're where you can improve but uh what you want to do is try to find some way to test your skills and knowledge that breaks it down into different things you are working on yeah so that you can evaluate the weak spot cuz i mean it is like we've said before if if you don't know what your weak spots are you are one 
for everything you're in until you fix that. Now, the next tip is to find a difficult task that seems just beyond your reach and go attack it. And that may sound like kind of obvious. It's like, <laughs> hey, if I have a goal, go go do something. But the big deal is having something that is just enough that it pushes you, but not enough that it breaks you yeah. because it forces you to get moving. The edge of the plateau is typically not really as far away as you think it is on most things. But the problem is just the motivation and kind of a lack of direction. And if you find a goal that's achievable, but that actually stretches you a little bit, it will often either help you overcome the plateau or get to a point where it's easier to overcome it, where you can see what the next steps are. Exactly. Not only will such a goal give you something to work towards, but if the goal is practical, it can often make your weak spots far more obvious. I mean, going back, and I'm probably going to go back to learning guitar, either that or learning language. Well, learning to code. I mean, do you remember, like, I don't want to be harsh, but you were not getting it until you started writing that calculator app. Like, as much as I rag on you about that thing, that forced you to grow. Like, it gave you the scaffolding that you needed because it wasn't like, oh, well, you know, what if I do this or what I do this? It's like, no, you're making a calculator. Like, there's no what ifs. Can you do the thing? And that's the kind of stuff you're going for. Yeah. That's true. And like I was going to say with the with guitar, getting that I want to be on the worship team so I have to learn, like the goal of being on the worship team forced me to really learn the rhythm. And then I got on and they're like, all right, now we're going to work with you in this week spot. And they have not made it easy. I made the mistake of saying that I was struggling with bar chords and all the songs that I've been scheduled to play have bar chords in them because even if I capo it, it's going to have to have a bar chord. Like, there's no way around it because our worship director is like, all right, this is your weak spot. We're going to work through this. You're going to get over this. And that's one of the reasons I wanted on this team is because I absolutely love that. And that's the big thing I've learned with the new Russian teacher is like, she will hunt your weak spots down and expose them to you. And that's the idea with this kind of goal is like, if you don't have the teacher there to do that for you, then you got to make that happen where it's, where it's apparent. And yeah, if the goal is just slightly out of your reach, man, your weak spots show up so fast. It's not even funny. Additionally, working toward a practical goal will often help you get perspective on things that you might find difficult otherwise, because you're forced to basically use knowledge before you completely understand it. That's exactly what I was thinking too. Will has a note in here about, uh, well, we both had the same problem. It was just years apart. Yeah. Lambda functions. And it it okay. did. And I remember I use this all the time with my junior developers. Like I tell them the story of me learning that. And uh, I was like, basically what my mentor told me was, you know what you put into it. You know what comes out of it. Just use it. It's like, don't stress about trying to figure it out. Only use it when when you know what you're going to get out. But just use it and use it and use it. And then it will click. And that was an absolute plateau. And the reason that I suggested that to you, because you, know, you were learning it in C Sharp, I learned it in Ruby in like 2005. Cool. Yikes, that and, is a long time ago. And it was exactly the same thing for me. I'm like, this is like sorcery or something. Like, why am I passing? I'm passing a function to a function and this function calls that function. And I couldn't, I couldn't line that up in my head. But if I did it for a while, you know, once... Once you do it for a while, there's just a point where it just clicks over and you're like, oh, 
it's like I'm passing an object that's representing a function, really. And the, there's not necessarily that much difference, <laughs> you know. And I've got this artificial construct in my mind about how the thing works. And sometimes just using something that you don't completely understand will force it over over the top. Obviously, we don't suggest doing that with things like radiation, electricity, uh, explosives, those kind of things. Probably good to understand. Like, you know, do this in a context where it's safe. Oh yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know. So next. Use the skill in a new situation. This is really important. Another thing that can cause learning plateaus is repetitive training in similar circumstances. That can be useful for like getting the knowledge down or passing a test. Yeah. Very important with guitar or language is just repetition there. To refine the skill, like if I want to learn a particular song, I play that song over and over and over again. Until I've got it down. And then I play it over and over and over again until I've mastered it. And then I play it over and over and over again because I want to maintain that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And then I keep playing it even after I'm sick of it because that's, that's how you get that down. Now, that will teach me a song. Learning to play guitar, it's not going to teach me. It will teach me how to play a song. And it's learning multiple songs. The same with like, like with learning a language. I know with, with Albanian and you with Russian. Like you can have a set of phrases or a conversation that you learn and you repeat over and over again because you want to get that kind of a thing down. But if you're going to learn the language, you got to go beyond that. You got to be in different situations and use it differently. Well, and it'll also force you to understand things better. You know, like it makes things stick in your memory because it's now new and different versus the same old, same old thing. Mm -hmm. New situations tend to introduce new constraints and opportunities when you use an existing skill. Uh, and these changes can give you a deeper knowledge of why certain things work the way they do, as well as actually showing you the instances where they don't work at all. Uh, that's one thing with the repetition is like, if you're doing, you know, martial arts, for instance, and you got this one kick that you're great at, but you hurt your knee and you can't do that one kick and you lose, right? That's instructive. It's not a whole lot of fun, but, it will tell you where that doesn't work and where you need to compensate and, and fix things that you got going on. This approach will also help you by making things interesting again and force you to think more deeply about things you've taken for granted earlier. So any kind of like cargo cultish approach to a, to a particular thing, you can't do that now because the situation is different and you got to think about it. Another thing that will help you is if you change up your practice routine. So... If you're practicing a skill regularly, you're probably doing it in a recurring set of circumstances, right? So like I'm, I don't think I've, well, I know I haven't missed a night in like 870 some odd days of practicing Russian flashcards because I do it right after I brush my teeth before I go to sleep and always brush my teeth at night because otherwise it's kind of gross. You know, that's the trigger for, okay, now I'm going to do Russian. That's fine for maintaining but I've noticed that if I do a flashcard session or two during the day, the stuff that I covered in those flashcard sessions sticks better than if those same things were covered at night, just because it's novel. And that's why I keep my, my guitar in the office so that like, oh, hey, I'm waiting on this test to run. It's going to take five, eight minutes. I can hop back and play a song. You know, this isn't really, you know, we do things on a recurring basis because it helps with the schedule, but it doesn't help with your motivation. And your motivation is probably one of the most important things for helping you to learn quickly. 
Sometimes you can work your way off of a learning plateau by changing the time, location, or technique you're using to practice. For instance, with language learning, since Will and I are both learning languages, you might switch from flashcards for vocabulary to an in-person class. A Pimsleur program, if you can find it in your language. I mean, you know, you go... You can't. I can. (laughs) There's five levels for me. Well, there there was one level. Yeah. It was... You know, it, it it actually that one level was really good. It got me started, and I li- yeah. like I went through it multiple times. It's also probably why I have a Tirana accent when I speak Albanian. Like I, the male in that was from there, and that was the first like Albanian I started learning. So my accent sounds like I'm from the same area. Like even when I was over there, like in different cities, they're like, "You sound like you're from the capital." <laughs> I barely know this language and I already have an accent in it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It happens. As an aside, Russians say that they don't have accents. They'll tell you that. And I'm like, yes, people in Moscow have an accent. It's like they put a Gaussian blur on the edge of every word. You can't tell where the one word ends the next. Anyway, I don't want to get into that. (laughs) Yeah. No, no. Albania for a small country with a dialect that is, or with a, uh, language that is only spoken in a small area has three different dialects and different accents within those dialects. Like it was kind of funny hearing the difference between Korsha and Elbasan, which speak the same dialect but have different accents. Yeah. Well, and you can imagine what it's like in Russia, especially when you get some of the provincial accents in the mix. Because <laughs> I'll hear stuff and I'm like, I think I know what he's saying, but I couldn't repeat it if I had to. <laughs> yeah. So that's a whole other context. Now, two of the key signals that you should change up your routine are when you either dread you know, executing on that routine or when you can't remember whether you've already done that routine today. Either one indicates a lack of engagement that honestly is probably a cause for your learning plateau or it's a, definitely a contributor. So. Next, you want to revisit the basics again. Will's wording, not mine. If you've been doing the same thing for a while, you probably feel like you have the basics down thoroughly. And it, it makes sense. While there, that may be true, the other thing that you likely have is a mental model of how all the pieces fit together. This mental model is formed based on your learning and your experiences. It's really interesting. I recently started posting uh, Friday fundamentals into our creative group on Facebook. So every Friday, I just post some fundamental thing about art, creativity, photography, videography, stuff like that. For this very reason, we have people who have been professional photographers for a long time. And we have people who, you know, we have teenagers who are just starting out, starting to learn photography. And everybody, can grow from those fundamentals. I and mean, that's just the photography stuff because I'm on that team. So I know that. But like, there's other stuff with the art and things that, yeah, we've got people who've been doing it, like who've been career artists for decades on the team. And we've got people who are just starting out and everybody can benefit from reviewing the basics. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, is that you, you build a mental model because you need to be able to reason about something and you need to be able to predict how something is going to behave in a different situation, right? Like that's part of our humanity is, is building these. And your mental model is probably useful, 
but it can also get in your way, um, especially if it is partially incorrect. And all mental models are. I said here in the notes, you know, most mental models are, but I realized that that is an example of a mental model being incorrect is saying that most of them are. <laughs> there you go. That's good. You just That's haven't good, found man. it yet. Yeah. Yeah. Now, reviewing the basics again doesn't necessarily mean going back to an entirely beginner level. Like some of the material that I have to post, like I just started doing this toward the end of last year, but some of the material I have to post is not designed for beginners. It's designed for people who have been doing it for a while to review the basics. Yeah. Or to jump from another language. Like, for instance, if you're, you know, you're talking about like, hey, I'm going to review the basics of JavaScript. If you're a senior dev, don't go, oh, let me get a basic JavaScript course. Go, let me find a course for switching, especially if you don't know the other language, from switching from PHP to JavaScript. Because that will give you a completely different approach to the thing that is not coming from the mental model that you already have. You're basically trying to intersect mental models to make the one that's actually correct. Yeah, you you want to basically find stuff at your level, but offers you a good chance of finding things you didn't know. That's the thing. Even if you do look back at beginner stuff, sometimes I'll go back and take beginner courses and things that I've been doing. Like beginner angular courses can be amazing because there are things that you know, when I first started, I looked at it and I was like, oh, that wasn't important or that wasn't something that even registered with me. I'll go back and do these beginner courses and see things that I didn't even think about that I can start applying. So it can be useful. Yeah. And, you know, I went back and I'm almost done with this course now on uh, C Sharp Async Await. Yeah. Now, I've been using that since 2014, 2015, like the Task Parallel Library and and I've used older threading constructs, you know, let's not talk about how far back that goes, like talking to apartment threading and Visual Basic. And what was interesting about this is, you know, I have a, a working mental model of how the thing functions, but it was not correct. Because I kind of thought that it was making the current thread hold until the await came back. And it's like, no, it's not. It kind of hangs on to that state and then returns to it later and does a continuation. And so there's some stuff like that that's like, you know, functionally for me, it didn't make a difference, but it was not a correct mental model. And so it would have mattered quite a bit if I'd really been pushing something with that. And when you review the basics, a lot of times you get a a huge, you know, aha moment that like, as you discover something working differently than the way you were thinking about it, while other times a review of the basics just gives you access to new subtleties that you missed the first time through. So like understanding how things in the task parallel library were similar and different to things like promises in JavaScript. I didn't have the backing in the, in the JavaScript world when I went over this stuff before that I have now. And so it just, it changed the way that I looked at the C sharp code. So guys, finally ignore the plateau entirely and focus on building the skills you need when it's over. When learning something new, it's really easy to get bogged down in the minutia. While you definitely shouldn't skip over critical bits of knowledge, sometimes the importance of some information is only your mind. Uh, It can often be useful to think about what skills you'll need once you have the skill you're trying to develop and pursue those. Uh, Like I was talking about in the previous point, with going back and looking at some of the the beginner Angular videos, 
Like, seriously, there are things that I just kind of glossed over because it wasn't important to me at the time to what I was building or what I was trying to learn. And then going back and, and watching those like, oh, hey, I'm looking at it from a different perspective. Yeah. And so sometimes just moving on and then coming back to it will really help. Sometimes you just got to walk away from it too, get a clear head. Well, like if you, like for instance, you're trying to learn Angular, let's say, and you go, hey, when I get really good at Angular, I'm going to be building this app. Well, what else am I going to need to build the app? Well, I need to get CSS figured out, right? I probably need to understand Webpack or, you know, some kind of process along those lines. I probably need to understand things like Node or something for a back end and start picking those things up when you're stuck. And what you'll find is a lot of times it, it just, it's enough variation that it actually makes things novel again and you'll pick it up. Most of your skills do not develop in isolation and there are, are pretty much always going to be complementary skills that you need to learn for any one skill. Like if, if it's a skill that you're learning by itself and you think that it stands alone, that's probably something worth researching because that is very unlikely to be correct. And that may be contributing to the plateau you're on. Sometimes spending a little bit of time picking up complementary skills will also give you a perspective on what you're trying to learn right now. So for instance, if you are learning web stuff, right? Like you're learning HTML, you're learning all the HTTP verbs, you're doing all that kind of stuff. And you stop and you go, hey, I'm going to learn enterprise design patterns and I'm going to learn how to build a distributed system. It's going to make a lot more sense to you why things are stateless on the web. In, in a way that it couldn't before because you just didn't have the context. Complementary skills are also useful in that they'll often show you your less obvious weak areas. It's very common to think that you really understand something well just because you're able to use it in most instances. But you tend to uncover hidden weak spots when you start doing these complementary things. And that can show you that you really don't understand a subject as deeply as you thought. So guys, developers are subject to essentially drinking from a fire hose when it comes to learning. It's just the way things are now, and it's the way things are going to continue to be. Learning plateaus are inevitable in the best of environments, and it's arguable that the learning environment for software developers right now is kind of far from ideal. As a result, you're going to regularly run into plateaus in your efforts to learn new technology. Therefore, your career growth is directly related to how quickly you can overcome learning plateaus. If you can do it quickly, then you can learn more useful technology more quickly, which will help you keep your skills sharp. Being able to overcome plateaus will also make the acquisition of skills more pleasant simply because it will make it less of a slog. It doesn't just help your work life, though. It can also free up lots of time for having a life outside of work or learning things like guitar, foreign language, etc. Not being in front of the computer all day does that for you. So that pretty much wraps us up. Beej, what do you have this week for us for Tricks of the Trade? So guys, I know we've been talking about overcoming plateaus all throughout this episode. I do want to point out that plateaus are not particularly a bad thing. We kind of talked about, hey, don't feel bad for hitting one because you climbed up to get to it. But even when you're on it, you can use it to your advantage. You know, we, we talked about the complementary skills. They allow you to focus on learning something else while you're still keeping your skill level. Now, there's a phrase that gets thrown around a lot, kind of has a negative connotation, and that is time and grade. 
you know, what this basically means is, oh, well, you need to, you need to spend enough time in that position or at that level or doing that job or that role to really understand it. And we tend to look down on it, especially if you're like rapidly advancing in your career. But that's something that's kind of important because a lot of times those timing grades, those like, those are considered like career plateaus almost. But these types of plateaus may not be advancing your career, may not be teaching you stuff overtly. What's happening is you're gaining valuable experience that's going to help you when you do advance. For example, you know, when I was working as a senior developer, like a lot of the stuff that I did wasn't moving my career forward because I need like one, there's time and grade. I needed to spend the time there just doing my job. So I focused on doing a really good job because that was going to move me forward eventually. What ended up happening is I gained a lot of experience. I saw a lot of things. I got good at things outside of that area, like the complementary skills, but also just in the things I was good at, I just saw them over and over. The biggest thing I can think of is debugging. And it's you can have a great understanding of the code and be a good debugger, but what's really going to help you is having seen the same issues over and over again. And where you can just look at what's going on and go, that's a race condition, or that's nothing wrong with your code. That's the way that the framework is handling it. So we need to make a change in the code that doesn't seem obvious because the way the framework is handling that. So entity framework. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I didn't want to call any names, but yeah, know, I will. it is what it is. But yeah. And so what that did was those experiences, those going through that, it was a plateau in my learning. So I wasn't really learning new stuff, except I was learning new stuff. I was learning a lot of what to look for. So that now as a lead developer, when I'm helping my juniors, they ask me to come on a call and say, hey, I'm stuck on this. I can look at it and tell them like that a lot of times. And they joke about it. I'm like, guys, it, it's not that I am such a great developer. It's literally, I have seen this five times. I told him like the next time you see this, you're going to remember it because it caused you a problem. This is really good advice. And I like the way you're putting it. I, a senior dev told me years ago is like, think about it like a fine wine. The learning curve is the fermentation process. The plateau is the aging process. It is not palatable until it's aged. It's all the subtlety and getting you know the sharp edges off and all that. Like that's that's legitimately what that's for. And it's supposed to be there. Yeah. I will say that if you learn a lot of JavaScript frameworks, you're also aging milk. But <laughs> well, uh, there's that. But then also, if you do stick on the plateau too long, you go from wine to vinegar. So. Yeah, so you, you got that too. That's a really good analogy. I like that. I like that. All right, guys. Well, that, that pretty much wraps it up. Check us out in the aftercast. We're going to talk about some issues that mid-level developers have because that's where, where most of us tend to get stuck in plateaus is at the midsection. And, uh, oh, wow. Like, and how to... Uh, <laughs> My midsection's not flat like a plateau. I can tell you that. <laughs> well, you know, mine, mine is now, so... Uh-uh. <laughs> Uh, we're working on it. Almost there. Anyway, uh, catch you guys next time. If you have a question or comment, please email us at neckbeards at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Our theme music is an excerpt from Standby for Titanfall by Pure Bells, available on SoundCloud and licensed through Creative Commons. 
For references, show notes, and extra tips and insights, be sure to check out the website at completedeveloperpodcast.com. Help us make the show possible by supporting us on Patreon at patreon.com slash completedeveloperpodcast. You'll get extras, including a weekly aftercast where we discuss the topic of the week and bonus material with some of our patrons. You can also follow us on Twitter at CompleteDevPod, like our page on Facebook, and follow us on Instagram to keep up with news about the show. Join the conversation anytime via Slack by signing up at slack.completedevelopernetwork.com. Thanks for listening. See you next time.